Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of Revolution Recap as we're joining you again during the suspended period uh, where the New England Revolution MLS is not playing games due to the coronavirus with uh, still no end in sight, no known date for return. Uh, exciting episode today where we'll be joined by Henry Kessler. We pre-recorded an interview with him, uh, but joining me today is Greg Johnstone. Greg, how you doing? Very well. We survived April, um, another month without MLS soccer. So, you know, surviving uh, but I'm, I'm getting a little antsy for some sports. You can only watch the Belarusian league for so long. <laughs> Every time you say we survived a month, I feel like it's really like we survived a year because these months do not feel like just months with, with the way things are going. <laughs> yeah, I think Tom Brady left the Patriots like four weeks ago. And I, I mean, he's been written out of my mind for it feels like three or four years at this point. So, um, yeah, it's it, time. Time seems to be moving a lot slower these days. Yeah, I think without sports to help time pass, especially uh, in the current situation where you can't even go out to a restaurant for dinner or anything, uh, it makes time <laughs> go by really slowly. Um, but we won't waste too much time on that. I- I'm personally excited that we got Henry Kessler to join us. I think he's the the first player we've had on Revolution Recap, I think, since 2008 when Jay Heaps joined us. Uh, so about time we ended that streak of not having players on. So uh, we'll we'll play that interview for you now. We're excited to welcome to Revolution Recap Henry Kessler, the sixth overall draft pick from the 2020 MLS Super Draft and starting center back for the New England Revolution. Henry, thanks for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. So how are you holding up during these tough times? Has it been tough isolating away from your family in a new city? Yeah, you know, it's been difficult, um, especially being in a place that I'm not too familiar with. Uh, Only been here a couple months. But, um, you know, I think I'm think I'm doing all right, about as well as I can be, uh, trying to stay as active as possible, but at the same time being smart. What does the team have you doing now to, to kind of stay in shape during these tough times when you obviously can't meet up at a training facility and get in a you know, typical workout? Right. So they're sending a, a pretty uh, rigorous regimen, um, a combination of strength and fitness stuff. So there will be days where... It'll be a longer distance run or bike, and they've del- delivered us stationary bikes, which is very, very useful. Um, so we'll either have like a longer distance and then followed by a you know, faster, shorter distance run. And then once a week, we uh, Zoom call and do a strength program together, which is nice just to even see everyone's face um, is good. And, uh, you know, obviously a bunch of us are doing our own stuff. Uh, I, I know for sure strength is something that I wanted to improve on during this time. So that's something that I'm trying to focus on as well, along with the uh, stuff that they've sent us. And hypothetically, Henry, uh, I'm just curious, how long do you think it would take for the team to kind of get back into shape? Obviously, it's kind of an unusual situation with the season on pause. But um, how, how long do you expect to with, with your workouts? How long do you think there will be? Do you think you think you'll need another preseason? Do you think you'll need another couple of weeks to ramp up and, and get on the same page? Right. It's a good question. Uh, I think Bruce recently was asked something similar and he said about a month. So uh, he knows far better than I do. Um, with his experience. So I'll take his word for it. But um, I think, you know, everyone's doing their best to stay in shape. Um, but like, I, like, there's not too much that uh, we've been doing with the ball. So maybe even if the fitness piece is there, you know, we still need time with the ball to uh, 
shake off some rust, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Bruce. Uh, he said after the Super Draft that if he had the number one pick, he would have selected you with it. Uh, and it came out that um, Bruce and Chris Tierney had gone down to some uh, UVA games uh, and they had been scouting you for a while. Um, were you aware of their interest as the season was going on last fall? Uh, when did you? When were you aware of uh, Bruce Arena's interest in you? Rewind a little bit. The first time I met Bruce was probably during my sophomore year, right? Just being at UVA, I think he comes down once the MLS season is over. Mm-hmm. And then during my junior year, I started to see him more and more. So he came to quite a few games, especially once uh, the rev season had ended in 2019. Um, so around the ACC tournament, NCAA tournament, I saw him pretty much at every practice then too. Um, so, you know, if there's a pro coach that's coming to all of your practices, that is certainly is an indication that he might be interested and it might not have only been me, but there were uh, two other, well, three, uh, three other guys in contention for the draft to Daryl DK, Joe Bell and Robin Afamafuna. So um, I, I knew there was interest in the squad. Um, I didn't know it was particularly for me, but in hindsight, that's, that that's what it was. So um, obviously flattered that he was very interested and said that he would take me number one overall. It's a, uh, and still a lot of confidence in me. Some mock drafts had you going number six going into the draft. Um, were you? What were your expectations on draft day? Did Did you have in the back of your mind that New England might be a landing spot for you? I did. I did. So I knew I could go anywhere. Well, I was kind of told that three through six mm-hmm. is where I could land. So I knew Miami potentially wanted to take a defender. Um, and that Orlando might be a place too. Um, but I was told the day before the draft that if I was available at six, New England would take me. And um, I'm thankful they did. And Adam, you mentioned that Bruce Arena went down to the University of Virginia, Virginia a lot. Uh, do you think the connection of uh, him being a UVA alumni and, and him going down and, and being at all those games, do you think it might have helped your draft stock and uh, helped uh, with, uh, I don't know, the Bruce Arena connection? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, I think it maybe uh, just gave him some reassurance um, that he knew what he was getting uh, coming from a program like that. But uh, I think regardless of where I went, you know, I I would have been the same player. You know, I think it was just that uh, he had more opportunity to see me at Virginia than anywhere else. And you obviously had a fantastic run with Virginia in your last season there with a you know, disappointing finish to it. Um, but what, what was that experience like in your final season at Virginia, making it to the, the championship and the, you know, the tough loss? And did that make it even harder to kind of leave early after that? Yeah, it does. It really does. Um, it was it was a great run, like you said. Uh, me personally, I thought no doubt we were the best team in college soccer. So I think that that might be what makes it hardest is that we felt we were better than um, every team we played, really. So uh, not not coming away with the NCAA title was for for sure a bummer. Um, I've talked about it with several teammates, and it, it really does still hurt. Um, but uh, we, we had a really good run, fantastic season, and uh, I, I just think it was the right time for me to leave. So while I would have loved to have won an NCAA championship, uh, I couldn't pass this opportunity up. And it seems like less and less 
um, draft picks now are jumping right into starting lineups. Um, and I think, you know, after the draft, a lot of the coverage was, was asking whether or not you'd be playing for Revs too or a bench player on, on the Revs. Did you ever expect that you'd jump right into the starting lineup like you did? For, for me personally, um, I have very high expectations for myself. So, um, you know, a lot of other people are surprised about this. Um, me personally, I'm not surprised because uh, I know what I'm capable of and I know the potential that I have. Having said that, um, what I have predicted that I would be starting, I'm not sure. But I think a lot of people are surprised and, and I'm not one of them. And obviously, you've already broken into the starting lineup, but do you have any other goals or expectations for your rookie season? You know, assuming it gets back underway soon. Right. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, yeah. I mean, just to play up to my potential. You know, the I, I don't want to enter any games with any nerves, and I thought I've done a good job of that so far. Sometimes I feel like that limits you. Um, but so I think I've kept the composure thus far. So, yeah, I just want to play to the, the best of my ability. You know, don't want any restrictions. want to feel like I can play freely. Yeah, uh, you have a – there's a veteran core there. Um, have any of them uh, helped you with the transition or have mentored you through the process? Uh, yeah, for sure. I would probably say, you know, the center backs primarily because those are the guys I spend the most time with um, between Mancian, Farrell, and De La Mea. Um, you know, I've, I've initially was playing a lot with Mancien and that was great. You know, a guy that played with Chelsea, um, certainly a lot I can learn from him. And then, uh, I, you know, Farrell's been talking to me a lot too. So, uh, you know, those guys, all three of them really have, have been helpful. And kind of on the back of the question about expectations, um, Andrew Farrell also has high expectations for you. Uh, he said earlier this week that he thinks you're going to be a national team center back someday, uh, which is pretty high praise coming from uh, a guy that's played with the two games. But uh, how'd you react when you saw that Andrew said that? But yeah, yeah, re- really nice quote from him. He, he called me in person first, um, which, you know, when, when he told me that, uh, I was, you know, speechless, but um have a guy that believes in me like that you know it means a lot and it's really helpful especially when I'm just starting to develop confidence you know in my rookie year it's it's really great to have a guy that believes in you like that so um yeah it was great he's a great teammate and uh speaking of the national team uh there's also another New Jersey kid that has had some call-ups recently uh Matt Turner uh what's it like playing with Matt and playing in front of him uh, is he very vocal? Are you guys on the same page with the goalkeeper defender uh, communication? Yeah, for sure. It's great playing in front of Matt. Um, he is very vocal, you know, and it's helpful. You know, when he sees something that I don't, he'll make sure to tell us. Um, so, yeah, very helpful having him give instructions behind me. Um, yeah, and like you said, recently got a, a deserved call-up to the national team, so it's uh, it's great playing in front of him. You made your debut on uh, the 29th in February against Montreal Impact. What was it like playing at Olympic Stadium? Obviously, the result wasn't what you wanted, but it must have been a, a good experience to, to get your first start under your belt. Yeah, for sure. It's a it's a massive stadium. I didn't quite realize it until we got there, but it's, it's a very large stadium. Um, so we had the first training session, the day before just to get used to the surface you know the surface was a little unusual but um so we had a training session there and you kind of get a grasp for just how big it is then and then it's just a whole nother element when it's filled with fans so it was a for sure a great experience and one that i'll never forget was the surface as bad as it looked on tv I, 
Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. You know, like, uh, I just remember it kind of, it almost reminded me of a basketball court, the way your shoes would squeak. <laughs> and that's just not, that's not supposed to happen with cleats. So, um, but, you know, that being said, both teams had to deal with that. So, uh, it shouldn't be an excuse. Yeah, and pro- probably better than playing outside in the, in the freezing cold in Montreal in February. But <laughs> oh yeah, the, there was like three inches of snow on the ground when we we landed in a blizzard. So I mean, much <laughs> much better than playing outside. Uh, and what was it like making your home debut in front of the fans at Gillette? Yeah, also also a great experience. Um, I had played in Gillette Stadium one time before against Revolutions Academy. Um, so I had played in the stadium once before but i was looking forward to returning um was a great experience then and was a great experience this most recent time um and it was just fantastic to see the the minutemen shooting their guns you know get used to all that um the rebellion you know everything everything involved with that experience was fantastic did it make it extra tough to go into this extended break having you know had those first two games and kind of dropped points based on um some good chances that the team unfortunately missed yeah, I mean, we'd love to have entered this uh, break with maybe four points instead of one. But um, that being said, I, I think we'll be looking to rebound once we do get back. And uh, I have no doubt that we will. So hopefully hopefully we do that. So you mentioned you played uh, with the Red Bulls Academy against the Revolution. Uh, how was your experience there? And what time period were you, you playing for the Red Bulls Academy? Right. So when I played with the, against the Revolution Academy, that was actually with Beachside. Um, but I had played with uh, the Red Bull Academy. That was from U13 to U16. So quite a few years there. Um, and then after that, went to Beachside, and then after that, went to college. Was your experience with the Red Bulls helpful in prepping you for college and the pros? Uh, yeah, you know, you're playing with a lot of good players. I certainly learned a lot there, um, and I, I do think I improved as a player while I was in, in their academy. Did you grow up a fan of MLS and the Red Bulls then? No, no, I don't think I did. Um, you know, I, I think I'm mostly, yeah, a, f- a fan of the league, sure. Uh, something I aspired to play in. Was I ever really a Red Bull fan? I don't think so. Um, but uh, for sure, a league that I aspired to play in. But yeah, yeah, I would say more more fan of the league than that club. Are there any defenders that you'd say you like to watch a lot and model yourself off of at all? Yeah, there, there are a few. So one that I grew up watching a lot was Lawrence Koscielny. Um, Arsenal center back, former Arsenal center back. So I liked watching him a lot. I just felt like he was really composed, um, good defensively and on the ball. Um, in today's game, obviously, I watched Van Dyke, you know, pure class. Uh, Sergio Ramos a lot, too. Um, so, th- so there are a few guys that I like to emulate my game after. So you watch a lot of uh, European soccer? Mostly mostly the Premier League. Mostly the Premier League. Um you know, I'll try to, because that's just mostly what's on TV. Bundesliga as well, occasionally, is on TV. La Liga is not as accessible. Um, but, you know, so so those two leagues primarily. Are there any kind of rivalries between the Revolution players based on, you know, who which teams people support in the Revs? Uh, you know, I'm just starting to learn these things. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think there are quite a few Arsenal fans. Um but uh, the, you know, a lot a lot of people that have uh, that support Premier League clubs. So uh, I guess that makes it fun. But you know, I didn't have a 
too long to discover these rivalries, I guess. Kind of getting back to the proposals to get the season back on track. Have you heard about the proposal from FIFA to have five subs temporarily to kind of help teams deal with um, schedule congestion? And do you think that would actually be something that would be helpful? Wow, that's the first I'm hearing of it. Um, Five subs, that's interesting. Uh, That's different. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, back to college soccer in a way. (laughs) (laughs) But that's you know, for for me being a defender, I I don't think that would change anything. I, generally, it's not a position you substitute, so I think in terms of back four, it wouldn't change that much. But uh, maybe for the midfielders, you know, they cover a lot of ground, especially in a congested season. That might be helpful. And uh, the guys up front, then the five substitutions might work better. I, I I don't know. I'll have to see how that plays out. But this is the first I'm hearing of it. Yeah, I think they've been coming up with all sorts of different potential proposals to try to fit in more games and less time, and that was one of the, the recent ones they had mentioned. So we'll see if that happens. Um, so in, in your experience so far, who, who are the funniest players on the Revs? Funniest players on the Revs? Um, yeah, there are a couple. So, so Isaac, um, you know, he's one of the homegrowns, one of the younger guys. I think he's very funny. Um just maybe maybe because we have more relate to because we're closer in age. Um, I think Christian Pania is very funny. You know, he, he doesn't always speak a ton of English, but um, regardless, I, I think he's hilarious. And then uh, Andrew Farrell, too, I think is very funny. And have those guys been checking in with you a lot on, on Zoom, the, your different teammates, especially the defenders? Yeah, yeah. So I, I've been talking with those guys. You know, they're asking about me, about, about my family in New York, and uh, – you know, thankfully they're doing well too. So, um, but but they've been very conscious of checking up on me, which is which is great. What have you been doing to to kill the time with all your uh, extra time now? And do you have any any recommendations on on things our listeners should be watching? Um, that's a good question. Uh, so I've been watching this show Money Heist. I think it's decent. Um, good it's choice. Probably, yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty good. Um. Someone, one of my teammates, Dewan, just recently watched uh, Stranger Things. I think that's even better if you haven't seen it yet. Um, also on Netflix. Uh, and then just, you know, a movie here and there. Um, probably should be doing a little bit more reading than I am, but uh, that's okay. So, yeah, yeah, not up to too much other than, you know, our fitness regimen and uh, watching some shows here and there. Well, well, thanks a lot, Henry. I appreciate your time. And, and both of those shows are ones I would also recommend. So good, good choices there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no problem. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, Henry. Hope the season gets started again soon and, and good luck the rest of the way when it does. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Take care. Thanks again to Henry Kessler for joining us. As you may have noticed in that interview, we, we lost Greg about halfway through it, which is why I took over for the rest of those questions. Uh, the wonderful technical difficulties that happen when you're uh, stuck isolating due to coronavirus. But uh, f- well, I'm sure we'll figure that out for the next interview. Anyways, it was it was great for Henry to join us and exciting to get a player on the show. Hopefully we'll be doing that more in the future, especially with uh, all this downtime um, in the revolution season, but excited to have Henry on and, and hopefully, uh, Henry continues his great progress for the revolution and keeps being a great player for the team. Um, so just excited to, to see a rookie getting some playing time on the revolution and jumping right into the starting lineup, which just doesn't happen very often anymore.
Yeah, and, and hopefully I don't have any more audio issues on my side. I'm also a rookie interviewing, uh, so uh, I, I hopefully will get uh, get things a little bit more in order uh, and raise our standards the next time we have a player on. But yeah, great having Henry on. Um, certainly was very uh, open with us, and uh, it was a really great interview overall. Yeah, it's, a, it's exciting to have somebody like that on the show, and, and I think we'll be doing more of that in the future um, as, as this stuff continues on. Um, but not too much else in the way of Revs news going on, minus one one rumor we've heard in the past couple of weeks. Greg, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that quickly. I'm not sure if it's a rumor we'd spend too much time on if there was more news to discuss, but because there's nothing out there, we might as well, right? Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing else really going on, so uh, I, I hopefully am getting this um, pronunciation correct, but a few weeks ago uh, it was reported that Petrus Bumal is a uh, reported transfer target for the New England Revolution, apparently in the uh, summer months during the summer transfer window, although right now the transfer windows are temporarily closed as a result of the coronavirus. But uh, Kick442, which I, I cannot speak to that website's you know reputation for transfer rumors, but uh, Kick442 reported a few weeks ago that the Revs are interested in the Cameroonian midfielder. Uh, he's currently playing for Ural uh, in the Russian uh, Premier League again. Don't, don't hopefully I'm pronouncing this correct, but uh, he's currently playing in the Russian Premier League, uh, but reportedly is a free agent in the summer. Uh, so he would probably be the person that um, takes over the uh, potential TAM money and the potential international spot that originally was for Samba Kamara. Uh, but it, it's exciting. It's a free, tra- apparently a free transfer, uh, and it's a defensive midfielder uh, that seems to be an area of the need for the revolution. Uh, Sean, what are your thoughts on Petrus Bumal? Yeah, I think we've we've talked a lot in the past that that's an area that we both agree the Revolution could potentially use an upgrade in his defensive midfield. Um, you know, the Revolution have a lot of options in that defensive central midfield position. You know, probably more numbers there than just about anywhere with you know Wilfred Zahibo, Scott Caldwell, Kellen Rowe, who we haven't seen in all this season. Uh, you know, Luis Caicedo, who's fought some injuries, uh, and Diego Fagundes, who has been been playing there. So um, no shortage in numbers in that position, but. Uh, I think there's still kind of a, a thought that the Revolution could perhaps use some better quality there. Um, Zahibo has kind of come into his own in the Bruce Arena era where uh, it, it looked like he was a guy that you know, maybe wouldn't be long-term for the Revs, but he's been playing a lot better under Arena and seems to be you know a regular starter when he's healthy now. Um, so it seems like he's probably going to get one of those positions. Um, and, you know, Zahibo is the one guy that kind of has height back there. So my only hesitation with this signing is, you know, he's another defensive midfielder that's kind of on the the shorter side at, at five foot nine for that position. It is a position where I always think it's good to have um, at least one of your two guys with with a big body. And the Revs do have that in Zahibo, but all of their other options, whether it's Fagundes, Rowe, Caldwell, Caicedo, are all kind of undersized for the position. So I'm a little bit surprised that the Revolution would kind of go after another guy that's on the on the shorter side. Um, with that said, he does have a you know a decent pedigree, having you know been playing in the in the Russian Premier League. Um, he's also in, in the past played in Bulgaria, um, you know, kind of played all over the place in the French league at one point, um, you know, not too many minutes there, but, uh, had played there as well. Um, uh, so it's hard to kind of have a read. It seems like he's a guy that you know could be an upgrade over those guys we just mentioned, but, um, it's, it's, you know, hard to say for certain based on where he's played. And obviously based on, you know, <laughs> those being leagues that I don't think either of us, uh, watch with any regularity. Yeah, and normally our uh, my my preferred scouting database of uh, FIFA is really unavailable because they don't have the Russian Premier League uh, in these games. So I'm relying on Football Manager uh, <laughs> uh, scouting reports here. Um, I mean, I, I'm not totally sure how much of an upgrade he is 
over Wilfred Zahibo and Luis Caicedo for a lot of reasons that you mentioned earlier. Um, I do wonder if he is potentially going to be playing the role that we saw Diego Fagundes in the first few games. Um, you know, if Seth was here, uh, Seth McCover from the Bet Musket was here, he talked about how Bruce Arena likes his left-footed players, um, which Bumal is. Um, he's a very aggressive tackler. He's uh, wins a lot of balls in the midfield uh, from his highlight reel. Um, so I, I wonder if he's looking to, instead of replace the Hebo or Luis Caicedo and pair with Diego Fagundes, I'm wondering if he's maybe going to move Diego Fagundes to kind of a bench role to come off the bench, kind of on that wing position that we saw Tayon Buchanan and, and uh, uh, Justin Rennix kind of play earlier in the season. Um, and we're basically replaced Diego Fagundes to pair with Zahibo and Caicedo as opposed to replacing one of them. Um, I mean, that that's kind of my read of the situation. Again, this, this rumor might not be very legitimate at all. Uh, but that that's kind of my read on it here. Um, but overall, I mean, as you say, he certainly has a decent resume and a decent pedigree that if he did come to the revs, he's not here as a depth signing, like Samba Kamara. He seems like someone who would step in and make a impact on day one. Well, what is interesting is, um, you know, who scored does have Russian Premier League data, which I always you know like to look at because I have kind of the in-depth stats. Um, and for him this year, he's averaging uh, 53 passes per game, which is far more than any Revolution player. Um, obviously, some of that could be based on style, but that, the most passes per game that a Revs player is averaging this season is Fagundes at 42.5. Um, and you look at his teammates, and he's also, you know, 10 passes ahead of the second most uh, average passes per game of anybody on his team. Um, and that's even with two of his appearances coming as a substitute and him only having, uh, I think, eight starts this year. So, um, you know, he's obviously a guy that when he is on the field is heavily involved in the play, and it seems like a lot of play runs through him. He's also averaged, you know, ha- a, uh, a key pass every other game, which kind of shows he can create something on offense. Um, so, yeah, he, he, he seems like a guy that's a, a key part of their team when he does play. Um, and is heavily involved in you know kind of everything they do. That's what that tells me when I when I see that he's you know averaging ten more passes per game than anyone else in his team. So um, you know the Revolution could certainly use someone that is you know a bit more dominant in that position. Um, and you know I don't know if there's any truth to this rumor, but it would certainly be an interesting option for the Revolution to to go out there and get this guy and add some competition at a you know position that I think you know as, as I said both of us think the Revolution could potentially uh, upgrade at. And one thing, too, if you watch highlight reels, you'll see a bunch of plays where, you know, he goes in hard on a tackle or he's very aggressive at jumping up, taking the ball away from someone and then immediately leading a counterattack, making that first pass and going the other way. So I think that's a dynamic that the Revs are looking for. And Diego Fagundes kind of pushing back into that central midfield, central defensive midfield spot. It kind of had mixed reviews. Um, It isn't terrible. Uh, but I, I think that this is a guy that might be able to fill that spot that Bruce Arena likes so much. Yeah, I think I think you're right, and I, I don't want to spend too much time on it because it's you know it's just one of those rumors out there. But it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I, I think that's all we've had to talk about on today's show. Unless you had anything else, Greg, you want to bring up? Uh, just about an hour ago, uh, we're recording this on Friday. Not sure we're gonna, when we're going to release this, but uh, about an hour ago, the Revolution released the list of players that have graduated from the Revs Academy and are going to uh, college and where they've committed to. Um, there are a couple of interesting names that I think if you follow um, the Revolution Academy, uh, that are, are kind of high, quote unquote, high profile names. But uh, Trevor Burns, who is Mike Burns' son, is going to Georgetown, who is the reigning national champs. They beat uh, Henry Kessler's uh, UVA side last year, so um, Georgetown. Obviously Obviously, a great program that Trevor Burns is going into. Uh, and then Elliot Jones, the goalkeeper, um, who I think is a 
top prospect coming out of the, the academy is going to Stanford, who they were three-time back-to-back-to-back national champs uh, earlier in the decade, I think 15 through 17. So um, two Revolution Academy players going to very, very high-profile programs. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's exciting to see a few guys going to some of the, the colleges that that uh, we have uh, connections to with uh, one player going to, to Bryant and a couple guys going to Boston College and um, with you and uh, your wife going to Penn now, seeing someone going to Penn as well. So that's kind of cool to see all those connections. But, um, you know, hopefully at least one guy from this this class ends up coming back to the revolution and, and helping out the team. Uh, always good to see the homegrown players when they do well. Yeah, and obviously we've seen a lot more homegrown signings in recent years. So I, I wouldn't put it past um, one of these guys coming back to the revolution uh, in a few years and, and as again, making an impact on the field. And before we wrap things up, Greg, you want to give out all of our social media handles where, where people should follow us? Yeah, it's kind of weird doing kind of the reverse side. But yeah, you can follow our podcast at Revolution Recap and also be sure to like our Facebook page. You can follow me at Sean L. Donahue, a little bit quieter when there's uh, no stats for me to, to tweet out. But uh, thanks again to everyone for listening. Thanks, Greg, for joining again. And thanks again to Henry Kessler for joining us for this episode. Um, well, we don't know when we'll be back, but we'll you know, certainly working on more content that we can have during this this downtime from playing. Um, and if you can, make sure to leave us a review on, on iTunes, especially if it's a good review. Uh, thanks again for listening.